How are we this morning? Good, good. It is a good day to be together um, as a church to celebrate Christ. We get to do it every week. And uh, my prayer this week is that this week wouldn't be just an ordinary Sunday where we come together and we sing a few songs and we look at the Bible and then we leave the same. My prayer, my hope, my heart today is that we would engage the text, that we would see what God would say to us and then live out his promises. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to uh, Galatians chapter 5. We've been in Galatians for uh, a while. We're coming to uh, the close of it. I have this chapter and one more and then we'll be We'll be done with the book of Galatians and, and Lord willing, move into uh, another sermon series. But today, I want you to be in Galatians 5 with me. I'm going to pray one more time before we dive into the Word. So let's talk to God together. Father, you're the greatest of all time. There's none like you. There's never been any like you. And there will never be anyone like you. And God, what I know today is that you have won the victory. God, Lord, that you're the undefeated one. You're the all-glorious one. God, you're all-powerful, all-knowing. God, Lord, you are present with us today. And I pray, Father, that as we just take a few minutes, God, Lord, to you, time is nothing. We know that you exist outside of space and time. And God, Lord, you transcend all things. God, all errors. God, you're amazing. You're God. This morning, Lord, how humbling is it that we get to come and just ask you to speak. God, but what I know is if your Holy Spirit doesn't come alive inside of us, Lord, then these are just words on a page. God, we desperately need your Holy Spirit this morning to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. God, we are desperate for you. Whether we like to admit it or not, we have to have you. And God, I just love you. I thank you for the word, how it centers us on Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody together said, amen. I'm going to read you the first 15 verses, so it's, it's a little bit of reading, but just hang with me, and then we're going to kind of walk verse by verse through the text. 15, 5-1, Galatians 5-1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again that every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. For if you, you're severed from Christ, you, will, you, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And then I want, I want you to hear the tone in his voice. He says, you were running well. I mean, you could just hear it. Guys, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed with one another. This morning, I want to track all the way back to the beginning of Scripture. Now, I want to talk about freedom this morning. I want to talk about real, authentic, gospel-centered, Christ-saturated freedom. I think sometimes you and I as believers, we forget that we've been given the gift of freedom. And when the gift of freedom comes the power of freedom. Listen, he says, stand firm in your freedom. For freedom's sake, you've been set free. Stand firm. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. I want you to hear this this morning. It is so easy because we started in slavery to sin. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Even last week, we were born under the curse of sin. So our lives have been, our lives have been spent much in a way to where we've been yoked. And when you, you think about maybe a mule or an ox just walking in circles, grinding corn into meal, just walking in circles over and over and over and over, linked, yoked to his oppressor. See, whether we realize it or not, when we were slaves to sin, we didn't even realize it, but the yoke of slavery, the yoke of sin was on us in such a way that we just kept repeating over and over and over a cycle of woundedness, a cycle of sinning, a cycle of separation from God. And what Christ wants for us is for that yoke to be broken, amen? He wants the yoke of sin to be broken from us, but you know what other yoke he doesn't want on us? The yoke of legalism. He doesn't want us to fall. And right here, he's actually preaching right at the heart of legalism. Essentially, what he's saying is, guys, for freedom, Christ has set us free. You've been given this incredible freedom in Christ, but you're running back to the old Mosaic law. You're running back to circumcision. Those things that you were set free from, you're running back to to be validated in. He said, the ones that are teaching you this, what's he just emasculate themselves? He's, he's angry. Paul's angry. Because he came preaching that you and I are justified by faith alone. That you are justified, you are justified in, before God through what Christ did for you. He said, man, don't, don't get yoked up again. It's a yoke of slavery. Don't get yoked to your... Run back to your sin, man. You've been set free. Don't run back to your sin and put back on the yoke and begin that cycle of sinning and woundedness, that cycle of brokenness. But just as dangerous and just as deceitful and just as heretical and horrible is the yoke of legalism. He said, I don't, I don't want you guys thinking that you're, you're in, I'll just put it in layman's terms, in our turn, I don't want you thinking that your Sunday school or your tithe money or your, you know, your midweek attendance or your youth trips or your mission trips, I want you guys thinking these things, these boxes, make you right before God. They don't. It's only Christ and Him crucified. And Paul's saying you, you've been given freedom. But isn't it amazing sometimes we do this to people who don't know Christ or they just come into the faith family. They, they get saved, radically transformed by the glory and grace of God, the freedom in Christ. And then we start telling them all these things they're supposed to do. Anybody ever been there? 
All right, you need to be here on Sunday morning. You need to be here on Sunday night. You need to be here on Wednesday night. You need to, we, we have 37 other things. And if you just want to serve, we have 743 committees that you're welcome to be on. We're, we're, there's these things that you have to do. And so for some reason through the course of time, not just in Paul's day, but in our day, we think that our participation validates us before God or our participation gives us approval before God. Listen, Paul's fighting every chapter for the centrality of the gospel in our lives. And that means that you and I look and know, man, I've been freed. It wasn't because I'm good. It's because he's good. It's not because I had enough faith. It's because he gave me the gift of faith and showed me my sin. It's not because I'm righteous. It's because he's righteous. So I'm free. You and I have been freed from the yoke of slavery. It's incredible what Christ says. He says, cast all your cares upon me. Come learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what, what Paul says in another part of Scripture is, he didn't free us so that we could just live any way we wanted to live, do anything we wanted to do, and ignore Christ. He freed us so not only we could be liberated from the grip of hell and eternal damnation separated from God, not only be freed from that, but that we could be freed to follow after him, that we could be freed to be yoked with Christ. See, when we're yoked to sin and when we're yoked to legalism, there's no room for Christ. You think about two oxen pulling a, pulling a plow together, right? These guys are just mules or whatever going after it, and there's two. And if, if you're, linked to, you're, you're linked, you're yoked with legalism or you're yoked with your sin, there's no room for Christ. And he, what he wants to do is this. He wants to bring his church in. He says, come to me all you're weary late. I'll give you rest. Like, come on, cast your cares on me. Take my yoke on you. See, what he wants to do is he wants to break that yoke of sin that's bound you and kept you on the, in the cycle. He wants to break that yoke of legalism that's bound you and kept you in performance, but no real relationship. Just imagine if it was like this. I love my wife. Love my wife. Listen, I'm married up, y'all. Y'all know her. Y'all seen her. You've heard her talk. She's prettier and smarter than I ever thought about being. Love her. But, but our, our relationship, there would be some tension if she was like, all right, TJ, at 5.45 in the morning, I'm going to need you to get up and give me a kiss on the forehead before you leave for work. I'm going to need you to write about three love letters to me a week, and I'm going to need you to cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And um, mm, you can have a little you time on Tuesday, I think. If that was the context of our relationship, then I would be in prison That's what legalism does. Following God from a legalistic heart says, man, I, okay, I, I, I have to pray everything I'm supposed to pray today. I have to read my Bible today. I have, to, I have to do all these things or God won't give me love in return. The reality is, no, when you realize what God has done for you in Christ, when I, when I think about the way my, life, my wife loves me and how I married up, I want to love her, Right? I want to serve her. I want to care for her. I want to provide for her. And when you and I can break, allow the Holy Spirit to break the yoke of sin and to break the yoke of legalism, when we realize the freedom that Christ has given us, given us our heart turns towards Him. Oh my God, what can I do for you? And a real relationship is born. Not legalism. 
Not a cycle of brokenness and suffering over your inability to do good. Because trust me, I don't care how long you stay on the wheel, you'll never get it right without Christ. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that word easy in the original language actually means kind, merciful. See, this is the real invitation that that Christ gives. He says, hey, I want to break the yoke of sin and I want to break the yoke of legalism and I want to give you my yoke. But Christ, I'm not good enough. No, I want to give you my yoke. But Jesus, sometimes I stumble. I want to give you my yoke. But Jesus, I, I, I don't know the right rose to, to, to I, you know, I don't know if I'm strong enough to carry this out. I don't know if I have enough faith. I want to give you my yoke. But Jesus, I've sinned before. I've ruined your name before. I've fallen back on my commitments. God, Lord, I'm not, I don't know if I can do it. I want to give you my yoke. That's his reply with all of our excuses. You know why? Because he's going to carry the weight. But Jesus, I'm stumbling. I know. That's why I like to carry you. (laughs) But Jesus, I've sinned. It's a good thing I'm a great Savior, right? That's the heart of God towards His children. His yoke is easy. It's a yoke of cooperation. It's a yoke that when we get hooked up with Christ, when we get linked to Christ, when we get yoked to Christ, what we realize is, oh my God, I didn't do any of this stuff for myself. I didn't break the chains of sin. I didn't break the chains of bondage. Christ did all by himself. And that should author in us a desire to love and continually be transformed to his image. Listen, we can stand firm in our freedom knowing that Christ has authored inward change and spiritual freedom. When we are yoked with Christ, we are on His team, under His care, pulling for His cause. We are free but loved, liberated but shepherded, absolutely and unequivocally freed in Christ to live a life that is full. He said, I want to give you life and life to the full, flowing over. He doesn't want to rob your freedom. He wants to give you freedom. freedom. But He knows that sin and the yoke of sin deprives us of our future. And he knows that the yoke of legalism deprives us of our joy in Christ. It deprives us of of understanding what Christ has done and who Christ is. Allow Christ to break the yokes in your life this morning. Allow real repentance to to take place. And and here's the argument, and we've said it a few times. Some people say, TJ, you can't preach that God is that gracious You can't preach that it's really that easy. Because if you start preaching that grace is really that good, people are just going to go out and do whatever they want to do and live any way they want to live. People are just going to be lawless. They'll be rebels. But I believe the Bible to be true, and I believe on every day that the inner working of the Spirit to convict us of our sin far outweighs some man-made rules that we set for ourselves thinking that gains us acceptance before God. Amen? See, the list of rules, they work for a little while, but it's like a sprint. We burn out on them. But when we repent and we confess our sin to Christ and, and He indwells us with His Spirit, we're baptized and indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, inner change begins to happen. 
He begins to work in and through us. True repentance takes place. And I want to say this this morning. Sometimes, sometimes when we think about repentance, we think about saying you're sorry. And there, there are times, I'm so fortunate to have my parents come to church with me. And, and, and there's so many times growing up that, that I would say I'm sorry. And I could even develop some real tears over my sorry. But I was really just sorry I got caught. Right? Anybody ever been there? I wasn't brokenhearted that I'd broke their heart. I wasn't brokenhearted that, that I sinned against God and my parents. I was just kind of bummed in the moment that I'd gotten caught. I want you to hear this. Real repentance this morning, real freedom, is when we repent to God and we offer God our heart, not because we're just upset that we've been caught red-handed in our sin, but that we know every time we sin, every time we run back to that old yoke of sin or legalism, it breaks the heart of God. God, I want to repent, not, not just because you caught me. Like You see everything, right? I want to repent because I've broken your heart. Let's move on in the text together. 2 and 4 says this, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Mm. You have fallen from grace. Now, I I want you to hear this because theologically, sometimes some people will proof text that line, you have fallen from grace, and say, see, you can lose your salvation. See, God can withdraw his love from you. He can take back his love. You've fallen from grace. But Paul is giving the idea and the understanding in this text that the gospel, that the grace of God is a free gift. You are eternally secure in Christ. When you repent and he converts you, all right, but the idea that running back to legalism, running back to the yoke of sin and making that your life again means that you have fallen away from grace because you never knew grace. You never knew Christ in his purity. You might have painted yourself up real well, and you might have went to church, you might have followed the Mosaic Law, as we say, and like you might have done these things, but if you're not rooted in Christ, if you do not persevere, you've never known grace. You've never known the gospel. When we experience the grace of God and the freedom in Christ, we experience a work of the Spirit, and we walk that out by faith. He said, man, if you think the law is going to get you there, you got to do the whole thing. I mean, not, not just circumcision, man. you got to change your diet. you got to do the whole thing. So listen, if you're here this morning, you think church attendance gets you acceptance before God or gets you into heaven, Paul's this morning saying, no, 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 no. no you got to do it all if that's going to be your basis. you got to go on mission trips. you got to feed the poor. you got to sell everything that you have. Every law, every commandment that he gave in Scripture, you've got to fulfill them all. If you're going to do one, you've got to fulfill them all, right? He's making a point that it's by grace. You're redeemed by grace. And you're secure in Christ. You are secure in Christ. He goes on, let's read. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working in love. Listen, at the end of the day, I've said this a million times, and I'm going to say it a million more because I want it to get in your heart and your mind. Circumcision or uncircumcision? Good church attendance, bad church attendance. 
dropping an explicative or not, smoking a cigarette or not, drinking an alcoholic beverage or not, listening to a secular song or not. Like we can draw our lines and we can make our rules, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, none of those things gain you acceptance before God. Not a single one. Only the Spirit working in your heart gains you acceptance before God. It is your responsibility to simply surrender. Surrender this morning. Let's move on together. She said, TJ, are you sure? Like, I, I hear what you're saying, but are, are you really sure he was that much against legalism? Listen to what he says here. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will not take another view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In the case of the offense of the, the, offense of the cross has been removed, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Paul's saying, if someone is preaching, if someone is telling you that God's love for you is based on your performance, they're preaching you a different gospel than what Christ came preaching. If someone comes telling you that the things that you do can gain you favor before God, let him be, he said in one piece of scripture, anathema, accursed. Because it's all based on the work of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So TJ, what do I do? Accept his freedom. That's what we do. That's what Paul's preaching. Don't accept the yoke of legalism again. Don't accept the yoke of sin. Don't be defined by your failures and your shortcomings. Accept the gift of freedom. TJ, is it really that good? Does he really forgive me of all my Accept the gift of freedom. What if I fail again? Accept the gift of freedom. TJ, what if I can't get it right? Paul said, man, the things that I want to do, I just don't do sometimes. And the things that I don't want to do, I just keep screwing up. That's T.J. Mullen's version, 2016. We'll all stumble, man. We'll, th th this, this thing called Christian faith, we walk it out. We wrestle with our salvation. We wrestle with, with following Christ. And, and, being, and, and listen, I want you to hear me say this well. Do I think that we should have a moral standard? Do I think that we should run from sin? Should I, do I think that there should be a separation between us and, and the, the lawlessness that we once lived in? Listen, if there's not a separation, then you don't know Christ. Because Christ and His grace doesn't offer, author in us lawlessness. It authors maturity and freedom. God does not author discouragement. And I know some of you, listen... I was kind of in this boat, and I want to just share personal testimony real quick. When I was, you've heard, some of you heard this before, some of you haven't. I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. And I watched the church and how they treated, at the time it was my pastor, it was my grandfather. I watched the church, and it was steeped in legalism. Man, if you weren't at every function, if you weren't at everything, if you, if you weren't, always perfect and on your behavior, and if you didn't dress to the nines, then you just weren't accepted. I lived that. And at 12 years old, I was, at 12 years old, I remember thinking this, I was sitting in a, 
my uncle's vehicle, and I said, man, I, I remember saying, man, I just don't want any part of this. And I've seen the way they treat my, I called him Pa. I said, I see the way they treat Pa. I feel like Andy Griffith right there. Pa. I've seen the way they treat him. And I just want out. I don't want to follow God. If that's what his people act like, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. For four years, I ran from God. I just did a lot of stupid stuff. So I'm begging you this morning. I know some of you, you look around and you say, man, sometimes TJ, the church just, they do things that I think hurts people. Listen, I agree with you. Sometimes there are, there are wolves sent by the enemy among sheep to discourage So this is what I'm begging. Don't give up on the body just because there's a broke toe or a broke finger here or there. I told the 930 service, I said, listen, I have, I have a dog and his name is Judge. I wanted him to be manly, so I named him Judge. Just his name scares people out of our yard. It's pretty amazing. The Judge. And I love my doggy. When he, we ride in the truck, he sits in the back seat and his paws are on the front and that's just kind of where he hangs out. He's my dog. And if he got a broken leg, I would never think, well... Better not take him to a vet. I've just got to put him down. He's a family member, right? Dude's got a broken paw. He's got a messed up nail on one of his paws. He's kind of limping. Hmm, let's just shoot him. Right? Why do we treat the church that way? Man, listen, I include myself. There are times we hang on the fringe and we make excuses because... Some people who are in the church don't act like Christ and don't reflect Christ and don't love the body and don't fight for the sake of Christ within the body. And we use those things as excuses not to plug in and not to dive in and not to build biblical community. I'm asking you this morning. Listen, you may be sitting where I was sitting. If I'm speaking to just one of you, that's fine. But if you're on the fringe, you're just like, man, I've been wounded by church. Me too. I've been hurt by somebody in church. Me too. But you know what? I've been loved by Christ. I've been redeemed by Christ. And I get to be surrounded by people just like that who've been redeemed and loved. And we get to do life together. I'm asking you, don't shoot the body for the sake of a finger. Unrest, division, and legalism, anything that would roadblock our relationship with Christ is not from God. But in those things, God can grow us and use us to reflect His character to people who do not deserve it. Listen, I know when we're wounded... I know at times that as a believer, as a Christian, you might feel wounded and you say, I can't believe this happened or that happened or that went on and I can't believe this person did that, left and right, yada, yada, whatever. Listen, it wasn't some random group of religious zealots who nailed Christ to the cross. It was you and it was me. It was our sin. It was our offense screamed out at Him. And Christ endured our attack reflected the love of the Father for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of the glory of the kingdom. So I'm asking this morning, in moments of hardship, in moments of despair, in moments maybe even the church might turn on you, not this church. Listen, I don't care if you're gone 20 years from now and you're wounded going to church somewhere. Know this, when you stand and reflect mercy and grace, even to those that you think don't deserve it, you get to identify and exemplify Christ's love. In that moment, you identify with your Savior and you reflect His love to the world. Let's get back on track and wrap up here. 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. For you were called to freedom, brothers. TJ, what am I called to this morning? What do I need to do? You need to accept the freedom that Christ has offered you. Well, TJ, how, how do I become a better father? You need to accept the freedom that Christ has offered you and live in that. How do I become a better dad? You need to accept the freedom that Christ has given you. How do I become a better employer, employee, church member, friend, brother, and sister in Christ? How do I be better? You don't focus on being better. You focus on the freedom that Christ has given you and, given you and live in it. Live in the freedom you've been offered. You've been offered freedom this morning. And some of you, maybe like I was, well, what do I do with it? What do I do with this freedom? Because listen, this is the crazy thing about, this is how scandalous the grace of God is, how big and beautiful it is. In the moments that you run back to your sin because you have the freedom to run and to sin, He pours out grace and mercy and draws you back to Himself. But to use your freedom in a way that would honor Christ and, and, and glorify who He is, I want you to think of it this way. What, 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 what have we been freed for? We've been freed for a purpose. I believe we've been freed to fight. He says here that we should stand firm. He says in another place, stand firm, having done all to stand, stand. He says in another place, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Clearly, we're engaged in spiritual warfare. We're engaged in a fight for the kingdom of God. So listen, you are freed. Your hands are no longer bound by chains. Your feet are no longer bound by chains. Your soul is no longer bound by the chains of legalism or sin. You are free to fight. You're free to fight. So listen, fight for the gospel centrality in your life. Fight for your fellow brothers and your believer, fellow believers, your family. Fight for unity. You're freed. Fight! Get on your knees, get on your face, and go to God in prayer. Begin to war for your city, war for your children, war for your family members. You've been freed. Fight! You've been freed to worship. Romans 12.1 So I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spirit. Spiritual act of worship, or this is your reasonable service. You've been free to worship. Worship. I mean, think about this. Before you and I knew Christ, when we were yoked to sin and we were yoked to legalism, we were kept outside the gates. We were strangers and foreigners. We were enemies of the cross. But the moment that He broke the chains of sin off of our lives, we were accepted into the kingdom. So think about this, before in a place where we couldn't have even gathered a crumb from under the table is now a place that we can sit at the table and offer up our lives in service. You're free to worship. So use your job. Use your position. Use your friendships. Use your life to worship. Everything that you do is worship. You've been freed to fight, freed to worship, freed from the fear of man. Listen, some of us, man, we, 
Our culture drives us to buy cars and clothes and houses and have this stuff so that other people will look at us and approve of us in their social circle. It's a satanic ploy of the enemy. The world screams and have more stuff, have this watch or these shoes, and then you'll be approved by man. I want you to hear this this morning, church. The God of all creation, come in close. The God of all creation, the one who formed the galaxies, the one who in his creativity thought up diamonds and rubies and all these beautiful things, that God says you're approved and you're precious and you're beautiful. Forget what the world says. You don't live by their standard anymore. You're approved by God. You're free to fight, free to worship. You're freed from the fear and the approval of man. You're free to follow Christ. Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, when we're in the jail cell of sin and legalism, we're, our hands are tied and our feet are tied and the door is closed. See, in Christ and the gospel, when Jesus brings freedom, he breaks the chains, he kicks the door open, he says, hey, follow me. See, we, some of us are satisfied with no chains and a wide open door just to sit in the prison cell. Some of us are just satisfied. Christ, my, my eternity is secure in Christ, and I, I'm going to do my daily devotions, but... but I think some of us are content to sit in the jail cell because we think, well, if I really begin to follow him, he might take me somewhere. Jesus said, follow me, and all those other guys, they, they were martyrs. They, I've heard people say that they followed Jesus, and he ended up sending them to a different community or a different church or a different country to share the gospel. So I think I'll just be good being free and not really being a follower. You've been freed for the purpose of following Christ. To follow him. A chained man can't leave his prison cell, but a free man can follow Christ anywhere. You've been freed to serve. A chained man has no honor, but a free man has the opportunity to serve with integrity and passion. And probably my favorite point of all this morning, the one thing that I want you to really grab on this morning is you've been freed to free. Now, we, we don't have the power or the strength to break the chains off of anyone's life. But how crazy would it be if Jesus comes into the prison cell and kicks the door down and slips the key of his gospel into your chain, the lock on your chains, he turns it and the chains fall to the ground. There's no chains on your hands and there's no chains on your feet. And you, you got 15 buddies with you and and Jesus does this incredible work in your life. And you know what? You're, you're just like, guys, it's, it's been good. Right? Earl, watch your back, man. You know, all right, all right. See you, I'm, I'm out of here. And you go home and you're just glad you got freedom. You go back to living your life and you, you get in the routine of life. And how many of you would think, that's just a crazy, selfish person? Anybody in the room? Think, I'm talking about myself this morning. Why are we content being that person? Christ has kicked the door down in the prison cell of legalism and sin in our lives. If you're a believer this morning, you know Christ. He walked in and He loosed you from your chains. And you know what it means to be free. And you know that the only one that can give freedom is Christ Jesus. So I just want to ask you this morning, why are we content 
Why are we content getting back in the routine of life knowing that there are neighbors and friends, moms and dads and sisters and brothers, classmates, teammates, employers, employees, co-workers, and unreached people groups all around the world who are sitting in chains, and we know the one who holds the key. Why are we content to run with our freedom back to comfort, back to routine, when we together have been freed to follow Christ, to serve the world, and to run with the gospel to the nations and to every lost person we know? We have an incredible opportunity this morning and every day. We can delight in the freedom that Christ offers for ourselves and we can sit on the sideline and be selfish with it. Or we could step up as men and women of God and we could, we could recognize that we've been free to follow and we pray this prayer, God, where you lead me, I will follow. We recognize that we've been called to serve and we say free to serve and we say, God, there's no place so low that I won't mind stooping for your glory. And we acknowledge this morning that we've been freed and given a gift, and you and I carry that gift. Scripture says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You can't break the chains. You can't unlock the lock on someone's life of sin and legalism. But you can proclaim the gospel that God authored to break the chains. You can share the truth about freedom and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that we could never do for ourselves. Amen. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for freedom. God, we, we don't deserve it. You've given freedom, freedom to follow you, freedom to serve you, freedom to, to be a part of freeing others. And God, I do pray this morning that we would delight, delight in our freedom, that we would enjoy what you've done, but God, we wouldn't hoard it to ourselves. God, that we wouldn't sit on this incredible treasure and this incredible blessing, but God, Lord, that we would, with faith, God, with boldness, carry the gospel into our context for your glory, for your namesake. God, Lord, that you would give us boldness to risk, boldness to follow, boldness to serve, knowing that you want to save the world. Thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.